Welcome to the Young CPA Success Show. If you're a young accounting professional, this podcast is your ultimate guide to navigating your early career. Join us as we share valuable insights, expert advice, and practical tips to help you kickstart your path to success and excel in the accounting industry. Let's embark on this exciting accounting journey together. Hey, Hannah, how are you? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Well, I feel like I just got out of like the world's like coolest therapy session. How do you feel? Absolutely. I was sitting here thinking the exact same thing. I feel like that was the best way to, we're recording this on a Friday. It was the best way to wrap my week like this. That was fantastic. Like I did not, and I'd not go into that conversation expecting that. So I, that was really awesome. So for the, for the audience, the, our guest today on, on today's show is a personal friend of mine, a guy I've known for a very long time going back to college. His name is Victor Ogilvy. He uh, works with Cargill. I'm pretty sure he runs a division of their company um, and he's in their protein division. And what we wanted to talk to Vic about was mentorship and just a lot of the personal growth that goes into like the first five to 10 years of your career and, and kind of trying to provide some lessons that we've learned at like the, what we hope is the middle of our career and how that can be applied to your early twenties. Mm-hmm. He had so much good, so many good little nuggets like to share from his experiences, mm-hmm. being a mentor, being a coach, being an athlete. I cannot wait for y'all to hear more from him. He is just a phenomenal guy. Like, I feel like I know him more than just a guest on our podcast now. I mm-hmm. feel like he's my friend at the end of it. And I feel like everybody listening will probably feel the exact same way by the end of this podcast as well. He's really, he's really the best, um, just the best dude. So um, I'm really excited to share this with you. This was a, a very important conversation for me. Um, I got a little bit emotional at the end. I'm sure, you know, hopefully it didn't come across too bad on, on the show, but uh, this is a very, a very fun conversation for me, um, a manifestation of something that he and I started talking about in 2009 um, that finally gets to come to, come to fruition in, in 2023. So can't wait for you all to, to listen to the episode. Dude, we made it. Yeah. We're here. <laughs> How are things, man? How's Wichita? Things are great. I am um, excited and um, really blessed to be in this community. I've got uh, a stop in this afternoon to a leadership uh, program that's the class of 2023. So mm. I look forward to stopping there. And then um, certainly we uh, we volunteer a lot in the community at, at our company and then personally too. So um, things are good. I'm grateful. I was uh, I was debating whether or not I wanted this to be your formal intro, but I was going to formally introduce you as Wichita's most eligible bachelor. But I was like, I'm not sure if that's going to go over the way you want it to. You know, that, that's always a running joke. I think I get that more and more these days because everyone's <laughs> moved on their life. I just I just work and, and volunteer, so I don't know. <laughs> oh, but you're building the house now. You've got all the you've got you're all. You're well stuff. rounded. Yeah, I exactly. Like that absolutely fits the title of the most eligible bachelor. Yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to build all my pieces and you know, maybe that last one will, will fit in sometime soon. So there you go. Grateful. Awesome. Well, Vic, thank you so much for being on here with us. Um, this is our first time meeting, but I'm really excited to um, meet you. I've yeah. heard a lot about you from Joey. He, so I feel like I know you at this yeah. point. He's spoken so highly of you, um, but he did tell me that you're really involved in your community, and I'd love to hear more about what that involvement is and and what what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of break it up into a couple buckets. One is um, 
you know, kind of my, my personal passions. Um, and the other is really like the civic component. Um, and, and so the first part of it is I, I love basketball. I've played sports growing up and giving back to um, the community has kind of looked different over the years, um, partly through um, my faith-based involvement with an organization called Young Life. Um, but when you're um, working with students in high school and they go to college, you know, you try to figure out what's the next thing to do. So, um, you know, I, I worked with Wichita State earlier here, and that's kind of a cohort of students that you're, you know, mentoring. And, and I think once that group moves on, I was looking for something else. And so now I coach um, a fourth and fifth grade girls basketball team that I've been with on, going on year three now. And so that's kind of where passion and sports meet. Um, and then the civic side of it is um, I sit on the chamber board for Wichita's um, regional chamber for Cargill, um, my company, and it was a development opportunity for me. And as I got more and more um, engaged with it, it created opportunities for me to lead. And so um, in 2025, I you know, am now kind of working towards becoming the chair of the chamber, which is a really tall task, um, but I'm learning from those who've come before me. I've got mentors. And so um, I've got to figure out two things. One is what's the theme for, for my year when I'm facilitating that position? And, and two is, you know, what are what are the big priorities for the city that I can help advance? So um, I need a little bit of marketing, but also some vision, and, and I'm excited about it. So, um, yeah, those are the kind of the two buckets. And then, you know, trying to engage, you know, deeply with my family and, and my faith community as well when, when I'm able to. So I think the thing that I've most admired about you in the – it's been almost 15 years that we've that we've known each other and have been – working together both in school, but also in, in the professional world afterwards is how willing and open you are and engaged you are in this concept of mentorship, which is something that I've really struggled with in terms of like, how do I even start with, with finding the community? How do I start with finding the right place to be? Yeah. And then how do I grow, you know, foster those types of relationships as somebody who, you know, is always lent its, you know, been a little bit more on the shy side, takes a little while to, to open up. What, what do you think it was about you and your, and, and just who you are that lends itself so well to like thriving in a mentor mentee relationship? And how, how does someone who maybe doesn't have that work through that and, and develop those skills? Yeah, Joey, I, I, um, first of all, I'm super excited and and thankful that we've known each other for this long. I, I continue to look around, right? It's like our little, our circles of people who've invested in us through ups and downs and times, and you're one of those people. So first of Dude, all- Dude, our, our group I, is crushing it, man. Yeah, we're- We're, we're doing so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so I, I think to your question, like I've, I've kind of seen it in a few ways. I, I feel like mentors are friends now that I'm a little bit older. Um, mm -hmm. And I actually talked to one of my, my first manager at Cargill. Actually, I got a call with him earlier this morning. And this individual has been vested in my growth over time, starting with the feedback that I've gotten. So I, I think part of it is feedback. Part of it is finding the fit and the people. But mm -hmm. it didn't necessarily start that way. Um, and really viewing any, any relationship you have, it usually starts with, what quality does that person have that I admire, whether they're really, we actually were talking about speaking and how he has had a journey of, hey, he was really good at speaking, um, but sometimes wasn't as prepared. Um, and so you swing the pendulum and you're preparing a lot. And now he's 
you know, we're joking about you know, showing up a little bit less polished and then kind of going through that journey. And so you're talking about these skills that you admire and the people that you see, but also a mentor might be someone who looks like me, right? So I have a mentor who's African-American being a diverse or a woman or, you know, someone who can speak to those things you struggle with um, and actually make an impact when they tell you that thing versus someone else who maybe doesn't understand it or isn't in that, hasn't had that experience. Um, and so the, the, the skills that you admire, you know, maybe someone who is a good fit, but you can never find a perfect fit. The other one might just be someone who's in really like a position or someone who's had life experiences. So mentors in mind, it's not always about the job that you have. Um, but you know, a mentor when I was like buying a new car or, you know, you're, you know, moving into a house or, you know, people who just advise you. Um, and so I, I think it's, it's hard to reach out and say, hey, I want you to be my mentor. That's definitely hard. But yeah. um, I think you just have to have a little bit of courage, but also sometimes they just kind of happen and you're like, hey, would you be open to connecting, um, you know, over this period of time, set a, set a time frame for it. And some mentors are more formal. And then some of them actually, I've, I've actually been kind of tagged to a mentor. Like sometimes companies will say, hey, we want, we want someone to, to mentor you or, you know, we'd like to you to build a better relationship with this individual. So I've, I've had a mix, but um, I think trying some of those reasons why um, mentors and mentors are also learning from you, right? They're like, hey, what what are young professionals doing? Earlier on, I remember them asking me questions. Hey, what are you what are you liking about your job? And um, people always want to go out for coffee too. So uh, you know, those are just a few things that I think of of like how the mentor relationships I've had. It's kind of like a professor, but in life, right? If you think about our professors at K-State, Joey, like mm -hmm. it was like Dan Fisher was like, we were always in their offices and that's like all people, the time. People forget the lost art of like, even if you are a straight A student, like we were always like shooting for the best grades, right? We were studying in Hale Library as a group, but like, even though we were good at it, we were still wanting more. So it's like, that's the same way I've kind of approached this. And I don't see it different than like, hey, this is kind of my life coach or work coach. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the ones outside of the company can talk about more confidential stuff you don't want to talk about with people at your company, but you kind of have to have a mentor outside that you can just like talk about all things. You, I see you as a peer mentor. We're always texting, right? So mm -hmm. I kind of use a mix of that and I'm just growing in that journey of how to do it. So, but you also got to give others opportunity. You can't mentor everyone and you can't have 30 mentors. So that's another thing. You got to like start sharing the love from the standpoint of, hey, give others opportunities to mentor too, because people will want you to speak or talk. And so those are just some of the lessons on the back end of that too. So hopefully that, that helps. And I love that you brought up friendship as a part of these relationships too, mm -hmm. because I think that there's, there's a lot of friendships that I've had throughout my life, whether I still have them or maybe they're past friendships that I ne would not have necessarily tagged them as my mentor, but then in looking back and reflecting on those relationships, absolutely like those contributed to the decisions that i make to just having that wise counsel of somebody even maybe a few years older than me who's been there and done that and talking through these situations yeah. and how valuable that was for me but again like i wouldn't have necessarily tagged that as a as a mentor or things of that nature but like it can just be a friendship and just yeah. i think the common theme between all of these types of people that you've had in your life and that you're being to people is connection and yeah. developing that connection in some way. So I love that you're doing that and that you recognize that for what it is. And I, I also have to say, I especially love that you're coaching fourth and fifth grade girls. I have a fourth grader girl myself. So 
I think that you are amazing. I feel like you deserve a round of applause for that in general, because that is awesome that you're applying um, your skill and your love for this sport and also um, connection and relationship building in, in that platform. So I think that's really awesome. Yeah, I'm grateful for that experience. The, actually, the, the plaque from the team is somewhere up there behind me. You can see a little bit of team pictures from the season. But yeah, I, I love the friend point and just two things you made me think about. Friendships are great. One of my mentors, like, usually I'll like think about, hey, I haven't talked to him for a while. I'll ping him and say, hey, can I go out to dinner with you and your wife, right? Like, the first time I paid for dinner with my mentor, like, I can never pay them back. But like, it's just going out to dinner just to catch up. And I think, you know, you get out of college, we didn't have a lot of money and the ability to go to a nice restaurant and do that. A second thing is like, I actually helped them move some stuff out of their basement. They were remodeling their basement and did that because it's like, they just needed some muscle, right? To, to help move. And so that's the friendship part of it. Yeah, there's a lot of the discussions, um, but there's more to it than the friendship. And then the reason that particular mentor was probably, you know, you don't want to rank mentors, but I have this bottle of wine that is called The Discussion. It's from um, Duck Horn Winery. And my mentor says every time he has a tough discussion with his wife or some debate, they bought, you know, have a bottle of The Discussion. And that's the name of the wine. But that's kind of a, a mantra for me to think about. It's always the discussion, but sometimes it's not about work or jobs. It's about life. And so um, it's, a, it's a bottle that's still on my countertop. I take it everywhere I've, I've lived. Um, so just a thought. Well, there's there's something you mentioned earlier that I think is really important when thinking about especially younger professionals like working up in their career. And like when I think about some of the historical problems with the accounting industry and really a lot of professional service industries is creating very intentional things within the company to allow for those relationships to foster organically. Um, the fact that Cargill is so invested in you and saying like, we want to provide the opportunity for you to mentor, but also to be a mentee on both sides. And we're going to invest in that. And we're going to support that because we know that's an important part of your growth and development as a human, but also as, as you know, human capital for lack of a better term. That's something that I challenge every company to do. Like we always have to be looking for those types of solutions because if the company doesn't support it, that, you know, those, those relationships, that next generation is just going to flounder. So I'm so happy to hear that they've been invested in you from the beginning in that, in that perspective. Cause that's so, that's so important. Yeah. I'm, I'm very grateful for it. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't think I would, you know, see any of my former managers any differently than, you know, if you're giving me feedback on my performance, but seeing them as a mentor, um, based on the conversation you have is a little, little different. Um, and I, I do believe that that is a journey that every company is on, right? You know, we don't all do it perfectly. We're all trying to be more inclusive, more diverse, more mm -hmm. invested in attracting and retaining talent, but that's a lever you can pull in order to figure out, Hey, what, what do you need from a group standpoint? Um, if you're trying to you know, target a certain group or what, what do individuals based on their different background experiences need. Um, but yeah, there's been some of those forums, even for leaders of leaders, right? If you think about business resource groups for Asian Alliance or African Americans or women's groups, um, you know, you know, professional networks at companies are 
groups that are providing a, a safe space to grow and develop, right? Your, your entrepreneurs, you know, startups, those types of industries have those consortiums where you're learning, but then you've got to train the people who are leading those groups too. And so that's something I've seen um, Cargill Explore, we've invested in some leadership training for the people leading, um, and you see, the, you see the benefits of it. So um, yeah, there's a lot to explore there, but um, I'm grateful to be a part of that. Um, but as you said, you know, you've got to, uh, as I said, I, you've got to make sure that you limit your time in all, all of it, because it, it's an investment um, mm-hmm. from a legal standpoint. So. Well, I think I think more too about our our time at Kansas State and thinking about your your comment about how important it is to have people who have shared experiences with you. And again, back to the importance of diversity. I, I think no further than you know our our basketball team, which is a shared passion of ours, and we've we've been very you know vocal about how much we enjoy the direction that our basketball team has, has taken over the last years with the last year and a half or so with the change in leadership and just how special the campus is when you see coach Tang and his, his staff just promoting a culture of excellence, but also a culture of love and a culture of respect and a culture of, I guess excellence is the way I think about it, elevation. And the it feels to me like he is one of those role models that every organization needs to try to find somebody like like that. How do you how do you feel about that and sort of some of the changes that are going on there and what lessons can organizations learn about changing a culture like that? Yeah. Um, you know, Coach Tang is is incredible. You know, I think every coach that K-State's had has had their strengths and the way that they coach has been the, I'd say the, the best thing at the time because that's how they got the job, right? Right. And so when you think about Coach Tang, though, his his approach has been um, very inclusive, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I say that because, you know, coaches are coming in, he's building his staff from all these great coaches, offensive, defensive, different schools. He's had a great experience at Baylor. And um, he starts pinging us former players. And that that message was clear. He said, this is your program. And, and you know, we've been out for, you know, I gra- you know, graduated you know, 11, 12, right? And had our run. But I think that involvement to tell the stories of the experiences back to that shared experiences that we've had, he brought us in to talk to players and motivate and inspire them before games. He asked us to come to games and, and talk to um, other former legends, right? And so we, we had our legends weekend and I just remember, um, you know, shaking Ernie's hand, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, it's just, it's just amazing the connections that he built with his team, but also among us to continue to foster that culture. And then he's a marketer, he's talking to students, he's giving out his number. I don't know how he figures out all the time to do all this stuff, but he really sees it from a people standpoint and, and that, that uniqueness in addition to his basketball savvy and building building a great team um, is really something companies can take. And he knows where his weaknesses are. So he surrounds himself with coaches who know each part and that's where he's success on the court, right? And, and it's really, really cool um, to see that and his staff that are managers, as you know, we, we talk a lot about managers who 
do everything from get you shoes to laundry. It's a whole organization. It is a full team, and, and they right. they have a culture. Um, we got to, we got a fortunate to kind of be in their pre-practice huddle. We kind of I brought a couple of guests, and they grabbed us all, and we're all in there. And that bond, I think, when you have a leader who who sticks to their principles and values to lead, I think people people really rally around that, and I think it's been unique. Um, and you know, as I said, each each leader has their way of doing that, but he's he's kind of adapting to the environment that he's been given and. Um, I think they're doing a great job. So back, back, let's, let's back up for just a second. Yeah. So you, you played basketball at Kansas State? I, I, I may have. I don't know. Oh, see, like I, <laughs> I wasn't given that piece of information until this very moment. I've connected the dots. That is really, really awesome that you were able to do that. I also want to point out something you said, too, that I really love is that the coach identified his weaknesses and brought on mm -hmm. people to fill in the gap in that way. And I think that that is such a beautiful example of how we can look at our mentor mentee relationships too. If mm -hmm. we can really self evaluate and see like, Hey, where's my weakness? Then that's also a really good starting point for who we look to, um, yeah. whether professionally, whether that's in sports. I mean, like this translates to so many different areas of life. Like, we can say, hey, here's my weakness. I'm going to go find somebody who does this well and look to them for what they're doing. And it may not even be like, hey, can I take you to coffee? Maybe it's just observing like how they interact with people or what they're doing and taking that and applying it in your own way. Yeah. I can think of so many times in my career that that I've, I've seen people doing something really well. And there's been times when I've tried to like directly replicate whatever that is for, yeah. for myself. And that doesn't always work out great, mm -hmm. but I've had to try to make that my own. And so I really, really love that you brought that up because that is really special and such a great quality of somebody who's trying to be well-rounded and develop something really great, whether that's personally, professionally, athletically. So I think that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, the acknowledgement of that opportunity is kind of the start. But sometimes you're just doing something really well. And we all need partners to walk through life with. But sometimes it's also, hey, here's something I want to work on because I want to make it. We can never work on 10 opportunities at a time. It's probably one or two. I'm more of a strengths-based person. And, and actually, I've got on my desk here my strength finders, you know, the Clifton strengths. I think it's really important to reinforce the positivity while you're growing. Because if everyone gives you feedback, then you're not going to know which one to focus on. And it's just one person's opinion. Like there's one, a mentor of mine who says, hey, it's just someone's opinion, right? When you do your year-end review, you know, you want to make sure you deliver results, certainly. But when it gets into some of those softer things, you got to try to focus. And that can also be hard where you get too much information. Like I'd probably rank my trust of, you know, the advice mom and dad, then like your mentors you've known the longest, your friends, right? And you can't take everyone's feedback, right? Some of it with a grain of salt. So I, I, I'd caveat this this kind of construct in a sense a little bit too, but it's a, it's a beneficial way to continue to keep that growth mindset. Well, and, and the growth mindset, I think is that's been the hardest thing for me to come to professionally is when I think back to our experience at K-State and, and you and I put in a lot of work. We put in a ton of effort towards success academically and working with people. And when I think back to that, when I self critique in that moment, what I've learned about myself is that most of that effort came from fear. Most of that effort came from fear of failure and my own thoughts about failure. 
and less to do with what it should have been, which was, am I doing this just so I can be successful and pass the test? Or am I doing this to really understand and really grow and be the best me that I could be? Like, I think back to some of our biggest challenges in school and, and it was, you know, a lot of it was, I feel like I'm going to be a failure if I don't pass this test or I don't understand if the options are in the money or out of the money. And in reality, what I needed to be thinking was I need to use this as a barometer of where I am. And that's been the hardest mindset shift for me in the first 10 years of my career. Yo, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. Cause I, I feel the same way, right? I, I, I don't think that we, we wouldn't have ran all nighters in the, in the library to study for an exam if there wasn't that sense of urgency because mm -hmm. you know your background you know your ability to make that a because you wanted to get we wanted to get the best job coming out of college right and mm -hmm. i think part of it is that you have a perspective around like what defines success and i think that's just that changes over time right it's like mm -hmm. you know that you can get an a 90 to 100 or whatever if there's extra credit and and now in life the signals of success now are are gray right it's more about you know are you happy healthy and able to wake up every day really i think after you know as you continue to have these live experiences but right we're driven by the actual task at, at hand and so mm -hmm. when you say that I, I would say i shared the same in some way shape or form it's like hey i gotta knock out this test you know i've got to have good grades because you know i've got to stay on the basketball team or my parents have really high standards which maybe that's the biggest driver of fear it's like Sister got straight A's. I got to meet that bar, right? Say so. It shows up. In it, it was a cousin for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so, um, whether it's a sibling rivalry or or some bar, I think we all set the bar. But also, we have to remember that, like, I'm growing into and having these recent conversations with a, a, a you know, a, another mentor, right? About like, you you've already been accepted, right? You've you've like you've done what you need to, right? framing your mind to say like, you don't need to do and achieve in order to be viewed as, you know, competent and like high performance has been the, the anchor or the, the cornerstone for everything that we do, but viewing it differently is like, how am I actually impacting others? How did I use this opportunity for something, right? We met each other, made great friendships as we were studying for tests that were, you know, anchored in, okay, we've got to do really, really good job in, the, in the, that part of it. but really, we built really strong friendships. Because usually, I'll tell you this, I think the strongest friendships are born out of going through really hard or really fun experiences together. Mm -hmm. And that is why we're here today, right? Yeah. So I think part of that is like thinking about, okay, what did that actually create? And that's the mindset. That's the growth mindset. Like, what did we learn from it? Or what was another side outcome versus the very explicit outcome? And I think that's one of the one of the messages in, in this. So I don't know if you have thoughts on that, but it, it just something I've been thinking about a little more. No, I, I think about this all the time because it's, you know, I, I think back to that formative experience and it, it, you know, it's easy for me to connect it back to sports, right? Cause that's between Hannah's who has, whose husband's a coach and is a huge sports fan to you and I, obviously with our shared experiences, like, you know, there's, there's so many common things because sports and life mirror each other in so many different ways. But when I think about it, I think the thing that I wish that I had at that moment was somebody who would say like, Hey, I'm glad that you're shooting for the moon. I am. I'm glad that you're doing what you need to do. Because again, we, not only did we form great friendships, like we formed great habits, 
Like I learned how to work that semester. That's the first time I've ever had to work for anything academically. It always came natural to me. But that year I was like, oh man, dude, we got to grind. Like we've really got to put the time and the effort in. And that was very valuable. What I wish I had had at that moment was the perspective of 36 year old me, which is, hey, do it, do the work, but do it not for the A. Don't do it just for the result. The result does not define the value of what you're doing. It's the process. And it's, you know, you mentioned Dan Fisher, one of my most beloved professors at K-State who told us, take care of the process and the results take care of themselves. I didn't internalize and understand what that meant until about 10 years later when I was like, oh, I'm now starting to see the benefits of all of the, the groundwork that we laid in. It's almost like two-a-days, right? You do two-a-days, you do, the, you do all the, the conditioning and the cardio and it's horrible and you're just, you're in the gym and you're just working and you're, you're suffering. But then you get to that game late in the season and your legs are there when your opponent's legs aren't. And you're like, okay, I see, I see what we were building. It took me 10 years to get to that point. And I wish someone had kind of been, I wish I'd been able to give myself that feedback of you're doing it, but you're not doing it for the A, you're doing it for what you're building. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's never a great time to start, right? I think we, we can mo Monday morning quarterback our learning journey too, right? Oh, so totally. like, yeah. Like I, I wish, I wish I knew this at the time, but. I, I think that's why it's great to even just have a conversation about it because I think the awareness of it is like, hey, we're on this journey. We never want to plateau as well. That's another right. concept actually um, that uh, the individual I was talking to this morning talked about when I you know, got a new role and moved back to Wichita and, and that kind of thing and said, hey, some people plateau early. And so I think that's that's part of that. You talk about 10 years or however many years that we've been working through this is that you know, you, you don't want to, you don't want to sell yourself short, um, but you want to continue to push to make sure you've gotten the most out of each stage, right? Because mm -hmm. it's like, not every stage in our career is up and to the right. <laughs> right. And, and you think about like, it's, it's not, it's not all, you know, corporate ladder, corporate ladder, like some experiences are like, hey, it's a lateral move, you're gonna have more responsibility, you're gonna grow in this. And you're like, oh, you know, I think this maybe generation or, or however you want to talk about jobs, it's like, we want the fulfillment now. We see that lifestyle, the, all the pieces, the elements of it. We want it instantly, instantly. But like, I don't know if we want all the sacrifice or the the sleepless nights to be in the big job yet. So like, mm -hmm. part of that too is like, how do we continue to grow and share with our new talent in our companies or people we talk to? Like, there is a process. Um, I remember watching. There's a, a lot of Michael Jordan documentaries, but he's like, there will be a player greater than me. They won't skip any steps and they'll they'll follow the game just as I did. And I think there's mm -hmm. something in there like you just well, there's sports again. Right. But like I think skipping steps is something that we have to be constantly reminded because n none of us want to follow every step. Like it's just human nature. Right. But we have reminders like my mom and dad are always like, be where you are. Enjoy the moment. Live in the moment. Live, you know, the, enjoy the journey. And that is a big part of it because we got to be thankful for more than just the the outcome or like the milestone, uh, which we all love so much, right? For the dollars or whatever it is, or like status symbols, whatever it is, right? So anyway, I, I appreciate you kind of exploring that with me because I, I often consider what am I, why am I still in the office at six? Is it optics? Is it 
Is it to show that I can work harder, right? I still, I still, I still do it, but I get the feedback from my team. They're like, hey, we're concerned about your work-life balance. Do as you say. And mm-hmm. I think that's like, it's like we, we understand it. We're high performing. We get it. Like you've proven yourself, right? And then now it's like, now can you really impact and go to that next level? So it's like impact is where that, that is at. So anyway, that's, that's, it's growth. Yeah, I love that. And I've struggled with that a lot just personally throughout my career is that I'm always looking for the next goal. Like, what is the next goal? I love to goal set. I love to work towards the next thing, which isn't, isn't it? I don't think that's a bad thing at all. But I think if I could go back and tell my 20 something year old self anything, it would be to certainly set your goals, but evaluate where you're at and see what you can learn in in that moment, not be like so focused on the future that you can't focus on the present and learn from that moment in 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 the present versus trying to just always focus on the future. I struggle with that today, too, in terms of just being content with where I'm at, like like wondering what's next and and it's okay to not know what's next at this point too like it's okay to just ride it out and see what happens and to look around you at the mentors and the people around you and learn in those moments instead of just always focusing on what's next and that's really hard so what would you say to somebody who's maybe starting out in their career who might be struggling with that how can they focus more on where they're at in that moment yeah i was I was just thinking of a question for both of you. And first of all, I'd, I'd say that I'll start with the question, like what makes you slow down, right? And so if you think about that question, um, I think we all focus on the work we do, the goal, whether you have a small business or you work at a company. Um, I think we all do a lot of things that are already structured. So I was just um, reflecting, there's a book called Micro Resilience. Um, and Joey, we, we talk about books all the time, right? And concepts get stuff done. I think well, that's something we've been talking about. But the, the concept is around drinking water, um, resetting your, your alarms. And, and this one that is really unique to me is the idea that um, the alarms that we have, your alarm goes off, you're going to work, getting coffee, you know, getting things done, um, going to the gym. I think we all go to every next step that we've created. And so I ask what makes you slow down is, well, okay, you got the holidays, take PTO. I'm you know, at an event and I'm not on my phone. And so what, what can we do to reframe the opportunities that allow us to you know, slow down? So that book recommends things like, for example, on your phone, put at six o'clock or 5.30, You've done everything you need to do. Home is where they love you. So you put that as a reminder and that forces you to leave the office or put a reminder for when you want to get to bed, nine o'clock, nighttime repair. Instead of saying go to sleep, nighttime repair tells your mind that, hey, I'm, I'm going to recharge my mind and body. And so I think if you're earlier or later in your career, I've been kind of playing out the idea of, all right, we've got to create time. We've like I work a lot this summer. I've gone to the pool more than I've gone to the sun, gone to the pool like the last five years. Like I've gone to baseball games. They say that's a great American pastime. I'm like, Vic, why you've been missing out on this thing because you've just been in the office. And so mm-hmm. the question of like, what makes you slow down is like, we don't have a lot of time. Right. And so like, as we get older, we start to think about like, what are those things we can do to balance? Like we talk about work-life balance, but do we actually practice it? So that's what I'm, I'm on this journey of like, all right, I'm looking forward to like, trying this really hard thing called hot yoga on Saturdays. Like maybe I'll, 
you know, continue to, you know, work on, you know, health and happiness, but it's like I look forward to something different. So it takes a little bit of risk and some courage, but also like, how do we break away from the things that are like, if you do the routine all the time, when you break it, whether it's a vacation or something small, like I think that I think there's some value in that. So and I'm I'm seeing the benefits. So, how about you? I was say I want to hear. I want to hear from you first, Hannah. Oh, what causes me to slow down? I think that that's that's it's very hard for me to slow down. So I have three kids, and my husband, a coach, he coaches football and baseball. So I am on the go. My kids play sports a lot. However, in that, as busy as that is, what does cause me to slow down is even just sitting at their practices and not being on my phone and just being present in the moment with them at their practice. And we're big sports fans. We love Ole Miss football around here. So hotty toddy for anybody listening who might be too. But we love going to Ole Miss sporting events. So like next weekend, we'll we'll be in Oxford um, for a football game. And I just, I love that because I'm present in the moment. I'm not on my phone. I'm with my family in an environment that I love. And so taking the time to do those types of things that we love and enjoy with my family is is truly what causes me to my brain to unplug for a little bit and and turn close out all the tabs that i typically keep up keep open in my brain otherwise what about you jody there's a lot of ways there's a lot of places i could go with this um let me start here this is for me the hardest thing that i have to do on a daily basis because when i think about anxiety and I think about fear and I think about where I am in my life, a lot of my concerns and a lot of the things that keep me up at night are fear and anxiety related. And so for me, the number one thing that has helped me is exercise. If I stop exercising, um, and you know, right now we're training for a half marathon. So it's, there's, there's a lot of very intentional training that's going on there. If I stop doing that, my eating is bad. My water consumption is bad. Um, my sleep habits are worse. Um, you, I feel sluggish. And that's the number one key. And, and I'm fortunate enough to live in a beautiful part of the world where we've got infrastructure and trails to spend time outside. I was, I was talking yesterday as I was on my run about just how great it is that I can run in a city next to a bunch of trees that are turning my carbon dioxide into the oxygen that I need to breathe. And that was a very meta moment at seven o'clock in the morning, but the, it's the hardest thing for me to do because the inclination to always want more and to always do more, um, it's, it's something that we've been working on since the pandemic when we were all kind of forced to slow down a little bit and maybe reevaluate, you know, do we even want these high powered careers or do we want something maybe a little bit different where, you know, we're not working until eight o'clock at night and then slamming back a dinner real quick and maybe watching an episode of friends to provide just that little bit of joy in our lives. And so that's kind of, that's definitely a journey that I'm on. Um, one thing that helps, and I'm going to brag on Victor here because he's fantastic about this, is every winter for the past four years, Vic has sent me a curated list of Christmas playlists of, of his songs. And I call it Vic's Mix every year. I like that. And I've got all of them still saved on my phone. 
And every so often, like every year, he has a theme. And this last year's theme is one that really stuck with me because it was friends and family. And all the songs were curated towards, hey, Joey, slow down. Spend the time. Because as, as Scott Van Pelt says, it's later than you think. We always think we have so much more time. And it's always later than we think. And so that's – I'm glad you brought that up because that's a very – that's a very important part of my next chapter personally from a growth perspective is to be okay, being okay with just being away from the office. And, and I think y'all be proud of me. I've scheduled out my PTO for the rest of the year. I've already got it pre-approved and pre-planned and there's, there's at least one day every month go. for the rest of the year. So personal growth, we're trying. That's really awesome, Joey. Thanks for sharing it and Hannah as well. I, I think, you know, the, the next question I almost think of is like, do you go back better right after you unplug? Um, because there, there's a risk that if you don't do it intentionally, as you said, I, I actually, I think, booked some travel this last weekend too and was looking at schedules. If you don't do it intentionally, you're going to get the reminder that's not healthy, right? Your body's going to tell you. And so I actually told some interns recently, it's pretty, it's pretty risky to do something like this, which is like being vulnerable about you know, the the challenges we have. But I was like, look, when I was an intern, when I was 22, 23, coming out of college, my first job, you know, I was working crazy hours, right? We were just trying to learn. You're trying to hustle. And, you know, I think whether you start off working in 2023 or you start in 20, 2010, you're going to learn some way of working. And we were looking, you, you see the signals from the people around you, the culture of the company you're at whether you're an investment banker or marketer, supply chain operations, and you're like, hey, I got that wake up call. I was that person. So like, that's the lesson I'm trying to give you. I feel like, you know, I don't want to say like we're, we're aging or ourselves or anything, but it's like, now you're like, now we're that person saying, hey, listen to my advice or my experience, because you'll get the wake up call. And it can be scary um, to be, mm -hmm. you know, talking to the doctor about, hey, your vision is telling you that you need to take away from the screen or you're, your body is telling you that you need a rest. So what can we do to avoid that? And I think that's that's the thing because I I, I hope and I, I think that the data shows that when we do take the time off, we come back refreshed. But also I came from vacation August 7th this year. I've given myself some grace to get caught up on emails because zero inbox is like my goal. You know, Anyways, I, I want to never be, works. I want to be on top of everything. But I was like, you know what? I'm actually just going to do the most important things and my mind's free, I'm gonna leave at a decent time and it's taken me two weeks to get back. But, you know, I think that's a healthier version of ourselves. And I think, I think you both are saying the same thing. Well, I think you mentioned a really important thing too. And this is, this is a, you know, the show is geared a little bit more towards young CPAs, but there's gonna be folks who listen to this who are in our positions as I would say, you know, still on the rise, but maybe a little bit more in the middle of where we would, would be. Um, we have a tremendous opportunity as thought leaders in our organizations to really influence that next generation and build the culture around like, Hey y'all, what we did was not healthy. Like mm -hmm. I, my first tax season, I put on 30 pounds. Like that was like 15 to 20% of my body weight just added in four months because I didn't have healthy habits. I wasn't doing what needed to get done. And I wasn't taking care of myself. And 
I don't want to see the next generation feel the same way that I did. Cause like, man, my twenties was effectively a lost decade for me. It didn't really, I didn't really start finding myself until I was in my thirties. And I really just want this next generation to like, not have to go through the same stuff that, that I went through that was super harmful. So I love I that you mentioned that. We've been in such a like hustle culture for so mm -hmm. long, like our, or as an organization and within organizations, like that hustle culture has been promoted so much that now we're on the back end of that culture and have felt the burn burnout. And like you said, Vic, like that burnout, manifests itself differently in, in people for sure. So I think us even having this conversation is a great first step in, in terms of being promoters of the other side of the hustle culture and being promoters of like what that means and how to avoid it and how to, how to still advance in your career, but in a healthy way. So yeah. I am very thankful that, that we've initiated this type of conversation because I think more of them need to happen within our organizations. Yeah, a hundred percent. I, I think the, the value in what you both are framing is like, there's still room for high performance, right? There's still mm -hmm. room for performing at a high level and knowing that you're shooting for excellence, but like it's that, it's that almost a debate of like excellence versus perfection. Excellence is like you gave it the best and you're working smart, but you're not working harder to do it right at the, at the cost of something. There will be times you, you do have to lean in more, but mm -hmm. um, you know, to your, to your point, I think we're all three examples of we've lived it, we've had the experiences and, and you can use those experiences to teach others here's another, here's another approach. You can still get to that same endpoint. Um, you know, kind of like the senior year where you're like, Hey, an extra hour of studying versus let's, let's, you know, let's go out, you know, for dinner and, and connect a little more. And you're like, yeah, I think, I think going out for dinner is the, the better option. Right. And so, um, the incrementals is not there, but, but I still think, I don't know, there's still, there's still a lot of value and not everyone wants to, but, I think it's also part of our DNA, right? Um, mm -hmm. Fighting for, you know, coming from a low-income family, being an immigrant, you know, whatever. Each of, even, I, I just share a couple of things for me, but hard work is not just easy to, to come by. There's a lot of things that require that, that next level. Now, once you use it, you gotta learn how to turn it off because, you know, your competitiveness doesn't serve you well in every environment, you know, like you do it in sports, doing it work, probably not, you know, and so, you know, dating, whatever it is, like being competitive in every setting is not, not the best, right? You have to right. handle a different form of yourself, maybe a more calm or relaxed or funny, you know, being at a wedding or a social, I think we all need to be able to balance that. I think that's part of that, that growth as well. So. Well, Vic, we usually we we uh, we usually shoot for about forty minutes here, so we can have this count for for CPE, and we've we have hit that mark, which means it's time for our fun question of the day to kind of round things out. And we like to do this because you know sometimes some of the stuff we can we can talk about here is a little little work heavy or you know more on the on the the growth side of things, but it is always good to know just some fun stuff that that's going on. So um, one thing I know about you, um, you are a voracious reader but you're also a voracious journaler and I've seen your journals. I've seen the sheer amount that you, that you produce from a thought perspective and from just a, 
um, you know, just a, a sheer content in terms of what you're doing. So what I'd like to know from you is taking everything that you've learned in the last, you know, 15 or so years, it's a little less than 15 years that we've been, been working. Um, what do you think is the biggest lesson that you have learned from something that you've consumed, whether it's a book, whether it's a podcast, a movie, something like that, that you kind of come back to that centers you? Man, that is a tall task. I say it's a deep, it's a bit of a deep question. So if you need a moment to think I can, I can bring mine to the table. Cause I kind of have, um, I have one thing in particular, um, that I listened to that just absolutely transformed kind of the way that I think. Um, and I'm trying to remember the specifics of, of like when and, and what I was doing when I heard this, but, um, it was, there was a moment and I'm trying to remember the exact year, but I was about four years into my career. I was living in Dallas. I was working in public accounting at the time. And I was taking the CPA exam, which for anyone who's taking the CPA exam, you know, that's just a miserable experience. Hannah's living it right now. Yes, I am. I was living it in 2015. And there was a speech that Stuart Scott gave towards, it was in the ESPYs and we all knew that he was battling with, with, with his cancer. What we didn't know at the time was that he knew when he was giving that speech that his journey was about to come to an end. And it was the day that he passed away. And I remember it just hit me like a ton of bricks that this guy that I didn't even know, I've never met him. All I've ever done was watch him say booyah on sports center, which was fantastic, <laughs> but that was the extent of my experience with him. But the day he passed, they replayed this speech from the ESPYs the year before, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I had an about face and changed everything. I finished the CPA exam, but then went into a different thing and started on the journey that I was, that I, that I'm living to this day. And the, the key tenor of that was, it goes back to what I said about Scott Van Pelt too. It's later than you think. And that was the, that was the mantra that was of his, his thing. And that got me thinking about it's time, it's time to start, like figure this out and go. And that was, that was hugely transformative for me. That's a, that's an amazing story, Joey. I, um, you know, would kind of take something a little similar. I, I was thinking about what made me the most, um, reflective about what I do each and every day. I go back to that community work strategy, M and a, the work that I do, what, what makes me feel satisfied every day. And, and part of it, I'd say, like, what are my motivations? So as I've journaled and as I've experienced the last call it 15 years, I think there have been multiple moments actually that have um, triggered my change in mindset. A few were, as I said, signals from self. So early career, you know, had a wake up call, taking care of yourself, burnout. Mm -hmm. um, I've had loss um, from very close friends. We can, you know, some can say COVID or, you know, some of those large you know, global macro events. But for me, I think one of the most transformative times was when I took the time to actually um, get a coach um, who um, helped me frame what I would call um, 
a better performance mindset. And I started to meditate and focus on mm. how do I separate, embrace, um, and just evaluate what I need to do on a day-to-day -day basis and trust that I've got to expect the expected about things like driving in traffic, expect that people are going to be cutting you off and expect that life's going to be that way and don't get flustered by those things. And so mm -hmm. what I've done is I've been able to create this calm and kind of create these boundaries around, all right, I should focus on doing the best that I can and trust myself and just go ahead and just do those things that I want to do because we don't have a lot of time. As I said a little bit earlier, I think that the biggest phrase I can say is really seize the day because at the end of each day, my goal is to, um, you know, not miss out on opportunity. It's almost like you live for that. Like, did I give my all in sports? Did I give my all to the day? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that wake up call I had, um, a few of them that I've had have really helped me continue to just push myself to find a better way to do the same things and do them at, at a high level. And then at the end of the day, I also feel like full fulfilled. Um, I think going for fulfillment, um, because we've, we've all been so blessed. We are, our lives are miracles, right? Like we're all blessed beyond where we need to be. There's nothing we need to go out and buy or, you know, depending on, depending on how you want to frame it. Right. But like, there's so much in the Western world that we have so many resources, the AC was out in, in a building I was in recently. It's like, it's not until that thing is gone that you're like, oh man, it's really hot. It's a hundred degrees <laughs> and we have these first world problems. And so I think just gratitude is something that I, that I wake up and think about now is like, man, I should be thankful for more little things. And by writing, um, thank yous, handwritten thank yous, which mm -hmm. is a little bit of a lost art, um, texting my mom and dad and family every day, which is a new practice. Like if you, Sean Aker, he talks about the happiness advantage. I read that book and I, I, I waited to say that because that, that I think it's like really about joy and that mm -hmm. starts with gratitude. And so gratitude is kind of the anchor for me. And like, I think if we can do that, then we're like, what else do we need? You know? So, um, anyway. I love that. Uh, somebody actually gifted me that book and I have not read it yet. So now I'm, I'm going to read it. I'm going to pick that up this weekend. I say, Hannah, we've got, we've got some homework to do. Is what I heard. <laughs> yes. And, and, and I need to go watch the speech again. I know exactly the speech that you're talking about, Joey, but I need to go watch that again. So mm -hmm. um, I love that you shared that with us, Vic, but thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I don't, it's been a long time since I've dated. So like, should we just like leave your number in the show notes? Like, I don't know how this should work. Ladies and gentlemen, Wichita's most eligible bachelor saying it now. Oh man, I hope we cut the recording 10 minutes ago. <laughs> we'll cut you that part great. out. That's all good. Yeah, you were awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. I feel like, again, I feel like I know you even better now. So um, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing, sharing this with us because I feel like it is so valuable. It was valuable to me where I'm at today in my career. And I feel like it's going to be so valuable for our listeners and anyone who is um, on their journey as an accountant. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, Joey, for having me. Thanks for being a great friend. And, um, you know, this shouldn't this shouldn't be and it won't be the last podcast we do together. I feel like oh. we've been talking ideas around advising people in financial worlds and, and other things, too. But but thank you so much. We'll be in touch and um, let me know how I can continue to help and, and be a good, good supporter of you. So. Well, cool. Well, thank you, everybody.
If you're a young CPA looking to develop in their careers, we're always looking for great people. Visit our website for remote work opportunities with Summit Virtual CFO or find all our open positions at Anders CPAs and Advisors.